It's time to move forward together as one United States of America. The people have spoken. And after today, the results will be final. <laughs> we'll see. That's the theory. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Rochester, New York on WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire, on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We've got a lot of breaking news for all of them today. Also, we stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. And yes, as I noted, we do have some breaking news. Actually, Two pieces of breaking news. One, uh, just uh, just a few moments ago, I thought this was going to be our lead breaking news. The state of California has cast its 55 electoral votes for Joe Biden, officially pushing him over the 270 mark uh, today that is needed to become the president-elect. And so now, I don't know if you've noticed, but... I haven't actually referred to Joe Biden as the president-elect until today, and now I am doing so. We will have more on president-elect Joe Biden and the Electoral College and much more in a second because, well, hell, that breaking news is, what, 10, 15 minutes old? (laughs) Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. We've got news that is now, what, uh, about two or three minutes old. It looks like Donald Trump's attorney general, Bill Barr... Is out. Yep. Uh, the New York Times is reporting literally just about 10 minutes ago. President Trump said on Monday that Attorney General William Barr would depart next week, ending a tenure marked by Mr. Barr's willingness to advance the president's political agenda and criticism that he eroded the post Watergate independence of the Justice Department. The second paragraph goes Mr. Barr had in recent weeks fallen out of favor with the president after acknowledging that the department had found 
no widespread voter fraud. But Mr. Trump sought to play down their differences, saying in a tweet announcing Mr. Part's, Mr. Barr's departure, quote, our relationship has been a very good one and he has done an outstanding job. So outstanding that see you later, sucker. Go away. Uh, that's yep. uh, so uh, Attorney General Bill Barr, Donald Trump's second attorney general after he fired Jeff Sessions for not being terrible enough. Uh, he found <laughs> William Barr. He was able to be pretty terrible, but even he was not terrible enough for this terrible president. Bill Barr is uh, apparently out as of next week. What that means thereafter, I have no idea, as that news is just breaking uh, moments ago, but I suspect we will learn more as the week goes on. But for now, the headline, Bar Flies. There you go. Uh, Welcome to the broadcast. We have, uh, in addition to that breaking news, 37 days as of today until Inauguration Day on January 20th. We have 23 days until the Electoral College votes cast today are accepted or not by a joint session of Congress on January 6th. We have 22 days until Election Day in Georgia's two U.S. Senate runoffs. And when I say Election Day, I should say the deadline to cast your vote, Georgia, in those two U.S. Senate runoffs to determine control of the U.S. Senate for the next two years. That deadline is January 5. However, early voting in the Peach State begins today. Today, just as the Electoral College has finally uh, cast its votes to finalize election 2020, at least in theory. Uh, As I noted, welcome to the broadcast. In 2016, Donald Trump called it a landslide when he won 306 electoral votes on Election Day to Hillary Clinton's 232. In fact, Donald Trump's landslide actually only ended up netting him 304 electoral votes that year because there were two so-called faithless electors who changed their votes, did not vote for Donald Trump. He only ended up receiving 304 votes uh, in the Electoral College. On Monday, however, Joe Biden, who also won 306 electoral votes on November 3rd. Uh, It looks like he is set to actually receive his full 306 votes. I think there are still some states as we go to air that are casting their votes. Uh, But it looks like, uh, as of now anyway, he will receive the full 306 votes when uh, when when they are finally cast at the Electoral College. So, yes, Joe Biden received more votes from the arcane Electoral College in 2020 than the loser Donald Trump received in his so-called landslide record never-before-seen victory uh, back in 2016 when Trump also lost the popular vote by more than 3 million votes. This year, uh, Trump lost the popular vote again, but this time by more than 7 million votes just in case there are any questions about how much of a loser Donald Trump is today. But as it's holiday season, let's begin, after all of that breaking news, with a story. Uh, Feel free to curl up to your fire or your, your Christmas tree or your Hanukkah menorah or whatever it is you might like to snuggle up to uh, for this very nice story called The President's New Suit by Alexandra Petri. 
The president of the United States very often saw beautiful things that did not exist. He was able to admire legislation he had passed that he had not passed. He was able to see corners being turned that were not being turned. He loved to see how beloved he was in polls that turned out not to be polls. One day he saw something new and beautiful. He saw he had plainly won the election, although others said he had not, and objectively, he had not. This sight was so plain and so beautiful to him that he knew anyone who could not see it also uh, must be a fool and unfit for their position. He demanded gold from the people to help construct this beautiful tapestry of lies and fraud, and he called all his supporters and his fellow Republicans to gather around and admire it. Look at the sound arguments, he said. Quote, no presidential candidate ever came even close to losing an election who won Iowa, Florida, and Ohio. He gazed proudly at his fabrications. I won all three by a lot. He worked night and day, hiring only the most unqualified, confusing legal team in the land. They sweated and farted over it for long periods of time, summoning witness after witness. They announced that they could see a sweeping and complicated voter fraud that could be traced all the way to Hugo Chavez. And the president delighted in telling everyone the convincing case that he saw. It did not seem very democratic to simply overturn the votes of so many millions of people, but the president did not see it that way. And he said menacingly that if you saw it that way, you were fake and bad and unfit for your position. And everyone around him rushed to assure him they could see also the fraud. Or if they did not, they made excuses not to be around him, lingering on the fringes. Many people gathered to look at the case he was assembling, and some of them tried very hard to see the merits, but all they saw was court after court rejecting these cases out of hand. So many rejections. But the president was not alarmed. He had a new suit he was taking to the Supreme Court. This suit would say that several whole states should throw out their election results because these results had upset the state of Texas. The other suits that had failed were nothing to him. This suit was better than all the rest. Airtight, watertight, bulletproof, yet lighter than air. So that when you touched it, you seemed to be touching nothing at all. It would, as the president said, stop the world from killing itself. He asked his supporters all the country over to support it. Attorneys general squinted at the suit and tried to see the beauty and the clarity and the logic the president saw. Many congressional Republicans came and gathered around the suit and tried to outdo each other in complimenting it, lest they be found unfit for their positions. 126 of them, even ones who, by the suit's very token, ought not to be in office at all. They signed briefs saying they saw how wonderful the suit was and how richly it deserved to be considered. Some Republicans even said they could see legitimate new states coming forward to join in the lawsuit and wondered at how perfectly real new California and new Nevada were. Senator Ted Cruz said he would argue the suit's perfection before the Supreme Court himself. So compelling did he find it. But... 
There was nothing there. Many judges had shouted this only to be hushed, yet a ripple went through the country nonetheless, and the people who watched as these members of Congress and attorneys general clamored to outdo one another in praising this lawsuit began to feel frightened. There was simply no suit at all. Where this vast conspiracy was supposed to extend, there was nothing that could be discerned by any human eye. But there were all these people who were not afraid to demand that the election be overturned, pointing and shouting and clamoring against democracy. And to their horror, all the people who had seen nothing, who had seen nothing there, were starting to see if they looked at what was happening in front of them, what a stolen election might just look like. They just hoped the Supreme Court justices were fit for their positions. The President's New Suit by Alexandra Petri, published at the Washington Post on Friday afternoon. And, well, it received a fitting ending by later that night. As you know by now, all nine justices on the Supreme Court, fit for their positions or otherwise, determined the president had no suit at all and declined to even hear the case all but dashing his last desperate effort to enlist his stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court to steal the election from Joe Biden on his behalf. So there are still a few loose ends, a few loose threads to keep your eyes on. I will touch on some of them in a moment. But as CNN's Maeve Reston noted over the weekend, President Donald Trump's effort to unravel democracy hit a dead end at the Supreme Court on Friday night, capping five weeks in which he dragged the country along on his narcissistic quest to stay in power after President-elect Joe Biden overwhelmingly won the election. In the end, the guardrails of democracy stayed in place, she asserts. That's questionable. But uh, Trump lost for the second time at the Supreme Court in the past week alone on Friday night. But instead of helping the effort to curb a deadly pandemic that has, as of today now, officially, yes, more breaking news, claimed more than 300,000 American lives by easing the transition for his successor, he is already scheming about his next political moves before the high court rejected his bid on Friday, in which, by the way, Donald Trump had falsely claimed in his brief to the Supreme Court to intervene in the case uh, that was filed by the indicted Texas attorney general and pardon hustler Ken Paxton. Uh, he had claimed that no presidential candidate in history had ever lost the White House while winning both Ohio and Florida. Even though Richard Nixon did exactly that, lost to John F. Kennedy in 1960. Did you know that, Desi Doyle? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I'm not at all surprised to find out that Trump made a false claim. To the Supreme Court. Uh, but uh, anyway, that was uh, before he was once again declared a loser by this Supreme Court on Friday night. Uh, his, his campaign announced a cable ad buy to further his fraudulent claims about the election, as he uh, clearly intends to try and meddle now in the congressional, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Congress's official counting of the electoral uh, results, electoral college results in January, on January 6th. Now, I explain how that will work uh, on a show uh, late last week, I think, on a broadcast late last week. You can download it from bradblog.com. But suffice to say, 
You may want to clear your calendars for January 6th, 23 days from now, because that could be a very, very long day, depending on uh, how insane the Republican Party feels like being at that point, uh, as they could challenge all 50 states in their joint session. And if they do, all they need is one senator and one House member to challenge and if they do, then the joint session immediately breaks up. They both go back to their own respective chambers. They have two hours of debate, and then they vote uh, on whether the electoral votes from that particular state should be accepted. And since the Democrats have a majority in the House, by the way, this will be the new Congress uh, because Congress is sworn in on January 3rd. But because uh, Democrats will still have an electoral uh, a majority in the uh, in the House as of January 6th. Uh, there is virtually no way that uh, any of these states' electoral college votes will be tossed out because uh, for that to happen, both the Senate and there has to be majorities uh, vote in favor of that, both in the Senate and the House. I don't even know that the Senate will be able to come up with a majority, but we will see. It's certainly not going to work uh, thanks to the uh, Democratic majority in the House. Nonetheless, while waiting to hear from the Supreme Court on uh, on Friday, Trump attacked yet another American institution. Uh, he opened a new front in his war on science and ethics by pressuring the commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration to rush the process for granting emergency use authorization for Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine. Nicole Sandler, who sat in for us uh, on our Friday show, thank you, Nicole, talked about that and about the loss at the Supreme Court on Friday. Ultimately, the FDA did greenlight the vaccine late on Friday night. And as Maeve Reston notes, it was fitting that on an historic day when Americans got their confirmation that vaccines could soon be on the way, the president was distracted at the White House, stewing over his election defeats and tweeting lies about voting in the state of Georgia. The GOP's top election lawyer, a real one, not the ones that Donald Trump hired, a man by the name of Ben Ginsburg, who refused to take part in Trump's charade to overthrow the election results. He spoke about the damage caused by Trump's evidence-free conspiracy theories and sore loserism over the weekend, charging the guardrails of our democracy, of our system, have held, at least so far, against Trump's onslaught. I think it put a huge stress test on, on our democracy, that we've never had a president of the United States talk about fraud the way the president did pre-election and file those suits, and then the post-election speaks for itself. But you know, Wolf, it's five weeks after Election Day, and the institutions of our democracy held against this onslaught. And so uh, we should be we should be really proud of that. Uh, and at the same time, the Republicans who did follow Donald Trump really have an obligation now to make the country strong again, to heal the chinks that Donald Trump tried to put in the foundation of the country and the democracy. Oh, do you think he'll do that? Do you think the Republicans will do that? Will they heal the chinks that have been put into our democracy, Desi Doyen? By Donald Trump, except for all the other Republicans yeah. that are also putting all those chinks in that in that yep. chain mail. So, yes, yeah. I don't think they're going to do much of that. Yeah, don't hold your breath. Uh, there are uh, a few signs that Trump loyalists are taking the moment of reflection in a deeply fractured Republican Party at this point when Trump joined the uh, Texas AG Ken Paxton's lawsuit. 
uh, which was also joined by 19 Republican attorneys general around the country. Uh, And as he was attempting to invalidate the votes of millions, millions of voters in Biden won states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, As that was happening, more than 125 GOP House lawmakers also signed on to this lawsuit, including the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. So if you think this is going, this Republican Party is going to heal thyself anytime soon, think again. Reston notes that uh, all of these people who signed on surely knew Maybe only Donald Trump was the only one who didn't, but surely they knew that the lawsuit would serve as a loyalty litmus test as Trump openly contemplates another run for the White House in 2024. Sorry to mention that on an otherwise good news day. Uh, And she says it was a frightening sign of the GOP's acquiescence to the president's dictatorial machinations and acceptance of his wild conspiracy theories. I hope to talk about the price that should be paid by those hundred and I think 26 total House lawmakers and uh, especially those 19 states attorney general who signed on to this members of the bar, all of them. Uh, who should have and, of course, did know better. Uh, I hope to talk about that a little bit in the days ahead, hopefully on tomorrow's broadcast, in fact, which I hope you will join me for. But the Supreme Court's order uh, on Friday once again affirmed the president's legal efforts have been a total waste of time for the country at a moment when there are lives to be saved in the middle of a pandemic. Nebraska's Republican Senator Ben Sass, a rare if too occasional Donald Trump critic in the GOP, said in a statement on Friday evening, every American who cares about the rule of law should take comfort that the Supreme Court, including all three of President Trump's picks, closed the book on that nonsense. Well, I, for one, am taking little comfort. It would, you know, it, 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 that would be a classic horror movie mistake at this point. To feel comfortable now. Oh, everything's fine. The monster has been killed. I will wait for that comfort until after Joe Biden is sworn in as the next president on January 20. Steve Vladek, the University of Texas law professor, said the court's unsigned order on Friday was the closest possible thing to the last nail in the coffin for election related legal challenges. And you know how well those uh, those last nails tend to work in the Dracula movies, right? Even Trump seemed to explicitly acknowledge, however, earlier in the day that Biden was going to be the next president in a in a tweet calling on the Supreme Court to, quote, show great courage and wisdom and, quote, save the USA. In that very same tweet, Trump alleged that, quote, the Biden administration will be a scandal plagued mess for years to come. Well, we would we would hate to have a scandal plagued mess in the White House for years to come. That would be terrible. Thanks for watching out for us, Donnie. But a White House spokesman, however, was quick to jump in and say that Trump's tweet should not be interpreted as a concession. Biden's campaign hailed the uh, Supreme Court's decision. On the other hand, they said dozens of judges, election officials from both parties, Trump's own attorney general, who, by the way, we have now learned is leaving. They said uh, all of those folks, including the attorney general, have dismissed his, his baseless attempts to deny that he lost the election. That, according to the uh, Biden campaign spokesperson, Mike Gwynn, 
Uh, President-elect Biden's clear and commanding victory will be ratified by the Electoral College on Monday, and he will be sworn in on January 20th, he said. Well, he now has, in fact, been ratified by the Electoral College, having just topped the 270-vote uh, Electoral College vote here out here in, uh, in California. The next stop, as I note, is January 6th. That is the day after the two U.S. Senate runoff elections end in Georgia to determine control of the U.S. Senate. Uh, and when Republicans in Congress will have their chance to challenge those electoral votes before they are ultimately accepted, nonetheless, in theory, by a joint session of Congress. We will have more on that likely uh, in the days ahead before we get to January 6th. But as noted, there are still some loose legal threads hanging around, uh, though being cut in a fairly short order now, even by conservative judges and, yes, Trump appointees to the federal bench. We will continue to help mop up behind them today, uh, beginning with two outstanding cases in Wisconsin. That is right. Even the U.S. Supreme Court uh, has not yet fully killed this monster, but some right-wing judges are uh, certainly continuing to hammer nails into that coffin. Donald Trump lost another federal lawsuit on Saturday while his attorney was busy at the same time arguing his case before a skeptical right-wing majority in Wisconsin State Supreme Court in a separate lawsuit. That liberal justices on the court said, quote, smacks of racism and would disenfranchise hundreds of thousands of voters, but only in the state's most diverse counties. In that federal case on Saturday, U.S. District Judge Brett Ludwig, who is a Trump appointee, dismissed Trump's federal lawsuit asking the court to order the Republican-controlled state legislature to name Trump as the winner over Democrat Joe Biden. The Trump judge said that Trump's arguments, quote, fail as a matter of law and fact. The ruling came at the same time that Trump's attorney, Jim Troupas, faced a barrage of questions from the right and left alike about his claims uh, in the uh, before the uh, Wisconsin State Supreme Court. Troupas asked that court to toss more than 221,000 absentee ballots, including his own saying that they were cast based on incorrect interpretations of the law by election officials. Liberal Justice Jill Karofsky said, quote, what you want for us to over uh, what you want is for us to overturn this election so that your king can stay in power. That, she said, is so un-American. Wow. That was the judge. That was the ju that was the justice. One of the, the liberal justice. justices uh, on, the, the on the Wisconsin Supreme wow. Court actually called him your king. Conservative justices also appeared sympathetic uh, to at least some of the issues raised by Trump. But they also questioned how they could fairly disqualify ballots only in the two counties where Trump is seeking uh, had sought recounts and is now seeking to toss uh, tens of hundreds of thousands of votes, even though they're trying to toss these uh, votes based on procedures that were also used in all of the other counties around the state. But they only want to toss the ones uh, in these two counties, the two uh, most diverse counties, the two uh, who uh, cast the most votes for, as a coincidence, Donald Trump. Yes, and they call them urban Voters. Yes, urban voters. I wonder what they mean by I, I urban. don't know what they mean, yeah. uh, but 
Uh, so now, listen, remember when Republicans accused Al Gore of trying to steal the 2000 presidential election by requesting recounts in just a few counties in Florida? Remember, that was Al Gore. He was trying to steal Florida by cherry picking just a few counties. Remember when Republicans, yes, including Ben Ginsburg, that attorney I just played for you, remember when they argued that that was an equal protection violation of the U.S. Constitution and they, uh, they, they got both the Florida state and U.S. Supreme Court to buy into that argument. Well, uh, remember when those very same Republicans in 2020 complained about the fact that Donald Trump was doing the exact same thing in Wisconsin by requesting recounts only in Milwaukee and Dane counties? Remember when they did that this year? Yeah, me neither. I don't remember it because they didn't do it. There used to be a, a shorthand in the blogosphere, which was I-O-K-I-Y-A-R. Do you remember what that stood for, Desi Doyen? Oh, yes, I do. It's okay if you're a Republican. Exactly right. Apparently, there's no problem with cherry-picking counties and then trying to toss out votes only in those counties because of rules that applied to all of the counties and were followed the same way. So uh, anyway, apparently that still holds in the party. It's okay if you're a Republican and it holds in the media where, you know, I feel like I have been the only one pointing out the hypocrisy of Trump's partial recount request in Wisconsin. But that matter came into play sort of in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court over the weekend as Biden attorney uh, John Devaney said that tossing any ballots in just those two counties would be a violation of the Constitutional's, Constitution's Equal Protection Clause. Trump is challenging ballots only in Milwaukee and Dane counties, the state's most liberal counties with the largest non-white populations, urban populations. He's not challenging any votes in the so-called conservative counties where he won under the very same rules that his campaign is now claiming to be in violation of state law. Justice Karofsky said this lawsuit, Mr. Trupas, smacks of racism. I do not know how you can come before this court and possibly ask for a remedy that is unheard of in U.S. history. It is not normal, she said. Justice Rebecca Dallet, another liberal justice, questioned why Trump didn't raise his same concerns about the same absentee ballot processes back in the 2016 election that Donald Trump supposedly won in Wisconsin. And then conservative justice Rebecca Bradley implied that the court must not allow for ballots to be counted if they were cast contrary to the law. But. She questioned how the court could fairly disqualify tens of thousands of ballots cast by people who said they were indefinitely confined, given that, in fact, many of them were. And how they could toss all of the votes in that case, but again, only in those two counties, the, uh, only for those people who were confined due to the coronavirus and thus unable to cast an absentee ballot without a photo ID, as the same court in March said should be left up to the individual voters to declare. Also on Saturday, former Trump campaign attorney Sidney Powell, she asked the U.S. Supreme Court to hear a federal case that she lost in Wisconsin seeking to order the GOP-controlled legislature there to declare Trump the winner by fiat. 
Powell has lost similar cases also in Georgia and Arizona. But today, just in time, about an hour before Wisconsin uh, electors were to cast their 10 state uh, electoral college votes for Joe Biden and before he was certified as having won the state by just over 20,000 votes officially, the last of the Wisconsin cases before the state Supreme Court was, in fact, Decided. And like all of the others, it did not go well for our loser president. The Wisconsin Supreme Court decided on Monday that Trump's attempt to invalidate more than 200,000 votes in the state's two biggest Democratic bastions for the second time this month was denied. The ruling ended the president's efforts to overturn the result of the election just hours before the Electoral College cast its 10 Electoral College votes for Joe Biden in a four to three decision of the uh, state Supreme Court. Yes, there were still three right wing justices. How right wing is the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court in Wisconsin? There were still three right wing justices on that court who were willing to disenfranchise more than 200,000 legally cast votes. Legal Wisconsin voters would be disenfranchised after they followed the laws for casting their ballots. But the otherwise uh, uh, conservative-leaning court nonetheless rejected Trump's campaign uh, and their attempt to throw out votes in Milwaukee County and Dane County, which includes the state's capital of Madison. The campaign had asked courts to throw out the votes cast by voters who declared themselves indefinitely confined, voters who delivered absentee ballots at an October event hosted by the Madison City Clerk. Throw those out. Voters who cast ballots at in-person early voting sites, including Donald Trump's own attorney. Throw those out. And throw out absentee ballots in which the voters witnessed did not complete a com- uh, d- did not provide a complete mailing address. The one single conservative justice, Justice Brian Hagedorn, for the second time this week, sided uh, with the court's three liberal justice. So he was the one single conservative to go along with the liberals here, giving them the four to three majority. He said, "We conclude the campaign is not entitled to the relief it seeks." Adding the challenge to the indefinitely confined voter ballots is meritless on its face. And the other three categories of ballots challenged fail under the doctrine of latches, meaning the campaign should have challenged the law long ago. If they felt that it was in violation of the law, the state constitution, for example, they should have done it before the election or before the primary election earlier this year or before the 2016 election. You mean you can't wait until after you lose to suddenly say, gosh, I don't like these rules. Let's throw it all out and turns start out, over. Nah, turns out you can't do it. Uh, instead, yeah, they waited until they didn't like the rules. So that is latches, and that is another fail for the uh, for Team Trump and the MAGA mob. Uh, Hagedorn wrote, Our laws allow the challenge flag to be thrown regarding various aspects of election administration. The challenges raised by the campaign in this case, however, come long after the last play or even the last game. The campaign is challenging the rule book adopted before the season began. 
Monday's ruling, according to the New York Times, now snuffs out the faint legal hope that Trump had of flipping Wisconsin. The uh, Trump lawsuit did not, by the way, and this is important, again, I have to underscore it every time, the Trump lawsuit did not allege any fraud in Wisconsin's election. It argued only procedural issues that it felt were in violation of the law or the Constitution, even if they were procedures that were approved in advance by the state's bipartisan election commission. The suit uh, did not seek to invalidate ballots cast anywhere else other than Milwaukee and Dane. Other counties, you know, where voters are far, far more likely to have supported Donald Trump. And in its boldest argument, the Trump campaign argued that all in-person absentee ballots were cast in violation of state law in only those two counties, which, yes, as I noted, would have thrown out its own lawyer's vote. Just amazing. Let's take a quick break here as the mop up continues. And as predicted, things begin to turn both violent over the weekend uh, and on Monday as uh, Trump's unmistakable trip toward officially becoming a one term president in just about 37 days continues. Uh, if you got any questions on this, I don't know that we're going to have time, especially because of the breaking news that we just got that Bill Barr is leaving the DOJ. Um, and anything else that may still break as we move forward. But if you want to ring in, our phone number is 818-985-5735. I'm always happy to uh, to talk to you when we can uh, fit it in. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the Bradcast. Well done. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yeah, for 2020 anyway. That's about as good as it gets. Uh, this day is, with, uh, of course, the breaking news, Bill Barr is out at the Department of Justice, which, by the way, I am not yet convinced that is actually good news, as much as we dislike Bill Barr, because Lord only knows what is to come. Uh, but uh, Bill Barr is out. Joe Biden is now officially president-elect, according to the Electoral College, which voted today. And... Uh, yes, good news on the vaccine. Welcome to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. The biggest vaccination campaign in U.S. history has now kicked off as health workers rolled up their sleeves for shots to protect them from COVID-19 and to start beating back the pandemic. It's a day of optimism, even as the nation's death toll, according to AP, has now topped a breathtaking and heartbreaking 300,000 votes, uh, votes uh, lives as we go to air. Uh, uh, critical care nurse uh, Sarah Lindsay said after getting a shot in the arm at the Long Island Jewish Medical Center in New York, I feel hopeful today, relieved, she said. I feel like healing is coming. 
With a countdown of 3-2-1, workers at Ohio State University's Wexner Medical Center gave the first injections to applause. Uh, and in suburban New Orleans, Stephen Lee, an intensive care unit pharmacist at Oxner Medical Center, summed up the moment as he got his own vaccination, saying we can finally prevent the disease as opposed to only treating it. For health care workers who, along with nursing home residents, will be first in line for vaccination, hope is tempered. But grief and sheer exhaustion of months spent battling a coronavirus, that is still surging now in the U.S. Dr. Chris Dale of the Swedish Health Services in Seattle said this is mile 24 of a marathon. A marathon, for the record, is 26.22 miles, if you're wondering. I hope he's right. I hope we are at mile 24 at this point. He said people are fatigued, but we also recognize that this end is in sight. Later this week, the FDA will decide whether to greenlight the world's second rigorously studied COVID-19 vaccine, says AP, the one made by Moderna. While the U.S. hopes for enough of both vaccines to vaccinate 20 million people by the end of this month, there will not be enough for the average person to get a shot until spring. So, yes, keep wearing those masks. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said today this this is the light at the end of the tunnel. But he said it's a long tunnel. A wary public will be watching closely to see whether health workers embrace vaccinations. Just half of Americans say they want to get vaccinated. About a quarter don't. The rest are not yet sure. According to a recent poll by AP, we will uh, we will have time to, con- to continue to ask questions uh, in the weeks and months ahead about these vaccines as we learn more about them as they become available, as they go into people's arms. Uh, but are you ready to take it? Or are you wait and see? Or are you a never vaxxer? If time, I'll try to get, as I said, to some of your calls, 818-985-5735, if possible. Uh, But let's stick with a little bit more good news here for the moment, because I think, frankly, we deserve it. Presidential electors, as I noted, in key battleground states on, uh, uh, on Monday are affirming that Joe Biden is the nation's next president. That's a formality that took on added importance this year because Donald Trump still refuses to concede that he lost his race for re-election. And in case he is listening, hey, Donald, you lost. You're a loser. Beat it. Nobody wants you here. Get going. Uh, And by the way, I suspect he will get going. I suspect he's going to go down to Florida to Mar-a-Lago for the holidays and never come back to the White House. But we'll see. Uh, Heightened security was in place in some of the states as electors in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, those six battleground states that Biden won and Trump contested as they gave Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris their votes Monday in low-key proceedings. Um. In a low-key vote and ceremony in the uh, Georgia State House, for example, where uh, three different statewide counts confirmed Joe Biden's victory by about 12,000 votes over Donald Trump, flipping that state to blue for the first time in decades. Georgia's Democratic electors cast the state's 16 electoral votes for Biden and Harris. 
And as they did, elector and former Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, who chaired the Electoral College meeting, she was an elector as well, she urged unity among Georgians and all Americans. We have now cast 16 Electoral College votes on behalf of the state of Georgia for Joseph R. Biden as President of the United States and 16 Electoral College votes on behalf of the state of Georgia for Kamala D. Harris as Vice President of the United States. But as we do so, we do so in a time of difficulty for our nation. We are in the midst of a pandemic. We are facing both public health and economic challenges. We have the promise of a vaccine and the promise of a new administration. But while we wait for that to take place, we still have to grapple with racial injustice and a reckoning on who we intend to be as a nation. We have to wonder and worry about those who find themselves just hanging on, hoping that salvation is near. But we know that we don't elect saviors in this country. We elect servants who promise to be leaders, who promised to see all of us, serve all of us. We elect men and women of courage, but men and women who will make mistakes. We are here today to cast our lot in with Joseph R. Biden and Kamala D. Harris, but I ask us also to cast our prayers. We need leaders who are willing to go into the rough places and smooth out the edges, who are willing to go into the tight corners and carve out more space. We demand in this moment leadership of moral character that is willing to admit moral fallibility. We need leaders who believe in us. This is not a moment of partisanship. This is a moment of patriotism because we came together to do something that has been done time and again in memorial for more than 200 years. And because we are, there is a United States of America. I want to thank each of you for your service in this moment, your service that brought you to this space, and for all the people on behalf of whom you, you speak. But I also want to say thank you to those who are not in this space and do not see themselves as part of this moment. You too are Americans. You too deserve to be served. You too deserve to be supported. You too deserve to have spaces carved out and rough places smoothed. You too deserve a leader who sees us all. And it is on behalf of the incoming president of the United States who has said that he may be a Democrat, but he intends to be the president of all of these United States, that I say thank you to Georgia for allowing us to speak on your behalf and to usher in the next administration. Thank you so much.
That was elector and uh, former uh, Democratic gubernatorial candidate and maybe future Democratic gubernatorial candidate in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, uh, announcing that uh, the 16 electoral votes going to Joe Biden in Georgia on Monday. But even uh, as that was happening, the Republican Party, because they are synonymous now with sore loserism, apparently, even at the same time in another area of Georgia, Georgia state capital, Georgia GOP chair David Schaefer said that the Republican nominees for presidential electors were meeting at noon at the state capitol to cast their votes for uh, president and vice president, presumably for Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Uh, Quote, because the president's lawsuit contesting the Georgia's election is still pending. Really? Okay. Good luck with that, sir. Uh, We saw this in a number of state capitals around the country today where the uh, sore loser Republicans were casting their own slate of electors. Uh, Biden, nonetheless, is expected to address the nation on Monday night after all of the electors have voted. Um, And uh, all of this as Trump is still clinging to the idea that he somehow won the election, that he will win, that somehow he will overcome all of this. Of course, uh, over the weekend, he was, uh, you know, busy making false claims about fraud and actually taking a flyover in Marine One uh, above the latest MAGA mob march in D.C., which turned violent later that night. There were arrests, destruction of private property. Uh, Property at black churches was burned by nightfall. I have yet to see Fox News condemn that violence or condemn Donald Trump for not condemning it himself, as those same liars falsely claimed that Joe Biden had failed to condemn uh, violence that was sparked during protests against systemic racism and police violence earlier this year. But before the MAGA mob uh, gathering of, of hundreds or thousands of these racist Proud Boys, this racist white gang of thugs which supports Donald Trump and vice versa. Uh, Before that, some of their uh, supporters were giving speeches, uh, which was which were kind of amazing. Right before voting begins today in Georgia for these two critical U.S. Senate runoffs that will determine the balance of the U.S. Senate on January 5. These uh, U.S. Senate runoffs between uh, Republican incumbents Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue against Democrats Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, respectively. Here was far right wing commentator and YouTube star Nick Fuentes urging the gathering to punish the Republican Party for not delivering the election for Donald Trump. We promised that if the GOP would not do everything in their power to keep Trump in office, then we would destroy the GOP. And as we gather here in Washington, D.C. for a second million MAGA march, we're done making promises. It has to happen now. We are going to destroy the GOP. us to hold the line 
<laughs> so that was Donald Trump supporters calling for the GOP to be destroyed. Maybe those folks aren't so bad after all. Just kidding. They are terrible. As uh, Josh Marshall over at TPM uh, accurately headlined his report about the violence that happened later that night, uh, quote, far right paramilitaries allied with outgoing president marched through city vandalizing black churches. Yes, they did. Quick break and we're back with a few of your calls right after this. 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman and this is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I don't have uh, time to get into this story, but uh, the uh, actually the Michigan State Capitol was closed today. Uh, as they were casting their electoral votes there uh, due to security concerns, not due to protests, but an actual threat, apparently, of violence that seems to be tied to an actual Republican state representative in Michigan. Just amazing. Uh, Let's get to a couple of your calls. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to uh, Mick in North Hollywood. Hey, Mick, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yeah, hi. Uh, I wanted to ask, isn't this treasonous that they file lawsuits to overthrow the election? Can't they be, get also the lawsuits against the Republican Party as treason? They're, they're committing treason? Well, uh, no, because uh, you may not like what they are doing. They may be absolutely wrong. It might be absolutely seditious if they actually somehow did throw out the votes of voters. But filing a lawsuit in and of itself is not treason. You can file a lawsuit for anything you want, Mick. Man, they, they just get away with this. I, I, I don't know why they—I don't understand why they—I I, I don't. I really honestly don't understand why the Democrats or somebody can— you know, stop these people or call, call them treasonous. I mean, you know, they're 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 committing treason, really. Well, uh, and, you know. yeah. Well, treason. Listen, treason is uh, punishable by death, and so I'm not sure that this is treason. Uh, that said, uh, the uh, the attorney general of um, of Pennsylvania, Josh uh, Josh Shapiro, uh, called this a seditious attempt. To throw out votes, I think that was the word he used. Uh, and I think the people who need to be held re- accountable here are the attorneys, the lawyers and the attorneys general around the country who signed on to that, for example, that lawsuit in uh, at the Supreme Court. We're going to talk about that more on tomorrow's broadcast. Desi Doyen, I think we're going to have Mark Joseph Stern uh, joining us, hopefully, yes. on tomorrow's broadcast. Yes, that's what we're scheduled uh, to have. Unless all uh, hell breaks loose between now and then. But uh, So tune into that uh, tomorrow, Mick. Uh, thanks for your call. I, I appreciate it, and I understand your frustration. Uh, let me go to Jan in Reseda. Hey, Jan, welcome to the broadcast. What's up? 
Hi there. Listen, Hi there. I'm not quite as I'm not quite as excited about the vaccine rollout as you. Why is that? I've heard I've I've heard from doctors who are both MDs and holistic doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there has not been enough time given to doing research mm-hmm. on this particular technological vaccine. Mm-hmm that uh, the RNA will go into your DNA and start replicating, and uh, it hasn't been tried before, and it hasn't been given enough time. And one doctor said it looks to him like it will cause liver damage. Mm. Another, another thing is it's definitely some kind of chip, and Gates has even admitted chip? to that. A chip? But he says, oh, it's just to wait, monitor. Wait, hang, on, hang, on, hang on, Jan. I, I was with you up until you got to the chip. Uh, and by the way, I, I, you, you characterize me, by the way, as being excited uh, by this. I don't know that I'm excited by it. I think I'm telling the news. Oh. I think I even said we need to wait and see how, you know, how it goes. It has been approved under emergency authorization, which is, yes, much faster than usual. But if you're going to fall for the chip nonsense and the Bill Gates nonsense, uh, sorry, uh, Jan, you had me up until then. Uh, there's no chip. Uh, but by the way, what is that chip going to do? Bill Gates has even said there's going to be a chip. Well, okay, I don't care what Bill Gates said. What is that chip going to do, Jan? Real quick. I got, well, only got to go. According, can I, okay, according to him, it's to monitor your health. Okay. Thanks, Jan. I appreciate that call. Uh, at, le- uh, at least it wasn't to monitor where you're, uh, where you're, where you are, and to track you because you know I bet Jan and everyone else has a has a cell phone that is already doing that job. Very quickly, our good friend uh, Mo up in Long Beach, take us out, Mo. What you got, brother? The party over. Thank you, Morris. Have a lovely day. All right, that's it. We'll be back with you again tomorrow on another thrilling edition of the broadcast. I hope you will join us then as well. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Federico Garcia, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can also drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.